story nine of the human boy by eden philpotts this librivox recording is in the public domain story nine dr dunstan's howler mind you if it's interesting to watch any ordinary person come a howler what must it be to see your own headmaster do it a howler of course is the same as a cropper and you can come one at cricket or football or in class or in everyday life dr dunstan's howler was a most complicated sort and i had the luck to be one of the chaps who witnessed him come it of course to see any master make a tremendous mistake is good but when you are dealing with a man almost totally bald and sixty-two years of age the affair has a solemn side especially owing to his being a reverend and a doctor of divinity in fact slade who was with me said the spectacle reminded him of the depths of woe beggars got into in greek tragedies which often wanted half a dozen gods to lug them out of but no gods troubled themselves about dunstan and it really was a bit awkward looked at from his point of view because it's beastly to give yourself away to kids at the best of times and no doubt to him all of us are more or less as kids even the sixth he often had a way of bringing the parents of a possible new boy through one or two of the big classrooms and the chapel of merivale just to show what a swagger place it was then we all bucked up like mad and the masters bucked up too and gave their gowns a hitch round and their mortarboards a cock up and made more noise and put on more side generally just to add to the splendour of the scene from the point of view of the parents of the possible new boy sometimes the affair was rather spoiled by an aunt or mother or some woman or other asking the doctor homely sort of questions about sanitary arrangements or prayers then to see old dunstan making long-winded replies and getting even the drains to sound majestic was fine his manner varied according to the people who came over the school sometimes if it only happened to be a guardian or a lawyer he was short and stern then he just swept along calling attention to the ventilation and discipline and looking at the chaps as if they were dried specimens in a museum but with fathers or women he had a playful mood and an expression known as the errant smile to mothers he never talked about pupils but called the whole shoot of us his lads and beamed and fluttered his gown like a hen with chickens flutters its wings the masters always copied him and to see that little brute brown trying to flutter over the kids like a hen when the doctor came into his classroom was a ghastly sight knowing him as we did and also the doctor would often pat a youngster on the head and beam at him he generally singled corky minimus out for patting and beaming and corky minor said the irony of it was pretty frightful considering that corky minimus for different reasons got licked oftener by the doctor than almost any chap in the lower school well one day in came the doctor to the schoolroom of the fourth i'm in the sixth myself and a personal chum of slade's the head of the school but i happened to have gone to the fourth with a message so i saw what happened a very big man who puffed out his chest like a pigeon followed the doctor he had a blue tie on with a jolly bright diamond in it and there were small purple veins in a regular network over his cheeks and his moustache was yellowish-gray and waxed out as sharp as pins 
a lady followed him with red rims to her little eyes and gold things hanging about her chest the doctor being all arched up and rolled round from the small of the back like a woodlouse seemed to show they were parents of perhaps more fellows than one the big chap wore an eyeglass and spoke very loud and was jolly pleasant ah he said and this is where the little boys work eh i expect now my youngster will be drafted in among these small men dr dunstan it is very possible nay probable in the highest degree my lord said the doctor we are now he continued in the presence of the fourth and lower fourth the classroom is spacious as you see and new a commanding panorama of the surrounding country and our playing fields may be enjoyed from the french windows if two of you lads will move that blackboard from there lord golightly may well be able to see something of the prospect two of the kids promptly knocked down the blackboard nearly on to the purple-veined lord's head then suddenly the lady called out and attracted his attention looking round we found she had got awfully excited and stood pointing straight at young tomlin he was a mere kid at the extreme bottom of the lower fourth but he happened to be my fag so i was interested she pointed at him in the most frantic way with a hand in a browny yellow glove and a gold bracelet outside the glove and a little watch let into the bracelet good gracious she said do look ralph what an astounding resemblance whoever is that boy tomlin turned rather red in the gills which was natural do you know the lad asked the doctor never saw him before in my life but i hope he'll forgive me for being so rude as to point at him in that way she said he's exactly like our dear carlo they might be twins tomlin thought she meant a pet dog and got rather rum to look at carlo is our son you know explained the lord singular coincidence answered dr dunstan not looking very keen about it in fact he wasn't too fond of tomlin at any time and seemed sorry he should be dragged in now but the kid was a very tidy sort really captain of the third footer eleven and a good runner he happened to be the son of a big london hatter who had a shop of enormous dimensions in bond street and the doctor was said to get his own hats there yet he didn't like tomlin tomlin went out into the open and the purple-veined lord shook hands with him and the lord's wife stood him in the light and turned him round to catch different expressions then they admitted that the likeness was really most wonderful and they both hoped tomlin and carlo would be great friends tomlin told by the doctor to answer stood on one leg twisted his arms in a curious way he's got when nervous and said he hoped they might be but he said it as though he knew jolly well they wouldn't then the lord and the lady cleared out and a week later carlo came his real name was westonley and he was a viscount or something being eldest son of an earl but we called him carlo and he grew jolly waxy when he found his nickname had got to merivale before him he fancied himself to a most hideous extent for a kid of nine and explained he'd only come for a year or so before going to eton he went into the lower fourth so tomlin ceased to be at the bottom of that class the likeness between carlo and my fag was really most peculiar it must have been for carlo's own mother to see it but when carlo heard that tomlin would be a hatter in the course of years he refused to have anything to do with him and tomlin loathed carlo too from the start 
so instead of being chums according to the wish of the purple-veined lord they hated one another and the first licking of any importance which carlo got he had from tomlin the chap was a failure all around and it's no good saying he wasn't everybody saw it but dr dunstan and he wouldn't carlo proved to be a sneak and a liar of the deepest sort not to masters but to the chaps and he was also jolly cruel to animals and very much liked to torture things that couldn't hit him back such as mice and insects he had a square face and snubby nose and a voice and eyes exactly similar to tomlin's but there was no likeness in their characters tomlin being a very decent kid as i have said fellows barred carlo all round and he only had one real chum in the miserable shape of fowl fowl sucked up to him and listened for hours about his ancestors and buttered him at all times hoping of course that some day he would get asked to carlo father's castle in the holidays i may also note carlo never played games excepting tossing behind the gymnasium for half pennies with fowl and steggles steggles of course winning happening one day to go down through the playground young tomlin saw westonleigh near a little fir tree which grew at the top of the drill ground he was alone and seemed to be doing something queer so tomlin stopped and went over what are you up to he said frying ants said carlo though it's no business of yours you see there's turpentine juice come out of this tree where i cut it yesterday and you can stick the ants in it then fry em to a cinder with a burning glass like this that's what you're doing it is don't you think you're rather a little beast what do you mean hatter i mean i'm going to kick you for being such a cruel beast they stood the same height to an inch and were the same age so it was a perfectly sportsmanlike thing for tomlin to offer you seem to forget who you're talking to said carlo no i don't no chance of that your ancestors came over with william the conqueror carried his portmanteau i expect then cleared out when the fighting came on yes and another ancestor stabbed a friend of wat tyler's when he was face down on the ground after somebody else had knocked him over that's what you are aunt fryer i'll thank you to let me pass said carlo i'm not accustomed to talking to people like you and if you think i'm going to fight with a future hatter you're wrong then you can put your tail between your legs and swallow this said tomlin and he went on and licked carlo pretty well he also broke his burning glass you'll live to be sorry for this all your life yelled out carlo when tomlin let him get up off some broken flower pots on the drill ground i'll never forget it i'll get my father to make old dunstan expel you and when i'm a man i'll devote all my time to wrecking your vile hat business and ruining you and making you a shivering starving beggar in the streets go and sneak i should said tomlin and blessed if carlo didn't he tore straight off to the doctor just as he was in his licked condition that much i heard from my fag young tomlin but the rest i saw for myself as the sixth happened to be before the doctor in his study when carlo arrived he was white and muddy and slightly bloody and panting he looked jolly wicked and his collar had carried away from the stud and his trousers were torn behind my good lad whatever has happened began the doctor don't say you've met with an accident and yet your appearance nothing of the sort said carlo who soon found out the doctor had a weak place for him owing to his being a lord's son i've been frightfully and cruelly mangled through no fault of my own and i believe some things inside me are broken too 
sit down sit down my unfortunate lad said the doctor then he rang the bell and told the butler to bring viscount westonleigh a glass of wine at once it's tomlin's done it said carlo he came up behind me and before i could defend myself he trampled on me and tried to tear me limb from limb i'm not strong and i may die of it anyway he ought to be expelled and i'll write to my father the earl about it and he'll make the whole countryside resound if tomlin isn't sent away and his character ruined hush westonleigh said the doctor have no fear that justice will not be done my boy you shall yourself accuse tomlin and hear what he may have to say in defence then tomlin was sent for and in about ten minutes came is this true boy tomlin said the doctor putting on his big manner one glance at your victim he continued furnishes a more conclusive reply to my question than could any word of yours nevertheless i desire to hear from your own lips whether viscount westonleigh's assertions are true or not don't know what he's asserted sir said tomlin which was a smart thing for a kid to say if he said i've licked him it's true sir that is what he did assert sir in words chosen with greater regard for my feelings than your own and are you aware george tomlin that you have licked one who in the ordinary course of nature and subject to the will of an all-just all-seeing providence will some day take his seat in the house of lords i've heard him say he will sir answered tomlin as though no statement of carlo could be worth believing don't answer in that offensive tone boy answered the doctor his voice rising to the pitch that always went before a flogging if your stagnant sense of right cannot bring a blush to your cheek before the spectacle of your scandalous achievement it will be necessary for me for me your headmaster sir to quicken the blood in your veins and bring a blush to the baser extremity of your person some learn through the head george tomlin some can only be approached through the hide and with the latter category you have long unhappily chosen to throw in your lot tomlin said nothing but looked at carlo before proceeding according to my custom i shall hear both sides of this question audi alteram partem george tomlin now say what you have to say explain why your lamentable your unholy your aboriginal passions led you to fall upon viscount westonleigh from behind to take him in the rear sir after the unmanly fashion of the north american indian or other primitive savage i didn't take him in the rear at all sir said tomlin i stood right up to him and he said he wouldn't fight a future hatter a very proper decision too sir a natural and wise decision declared the doctor why should the son of lord golightly imbue his hand in the blood of well, i will not say a future hatter for i yield to no man in my respect for your father tomlin and his business is alike honourable and necessary but why should he fight anybody if he's challenged he's got to sir or else take a licking no flippancy sir thundered the doctor again who are you to announce the laws which govern the society of merivale shall it be possible in a christian land at a christian college for christian lads to find infamous boys with tigrine instincts parading the fold for the purpose of smiting when and where they will this sir is the very apotheosis of savagery i didn't do it for nothing sir said tomlin i'm not going to sneak of course but i i've licked carlo for a jolly good reason and he knows what don't know anything of the sort declared carlo you flew at me like a wolf from behind that's a good one answered tomlin 
anybody can see you did from the state i'm in said carlo you two boys began the doctor again though you know it not stand here before me as types of a great social movement i may even say upheaval in the democratic age upon which we are now entering we shall find the tomlins at war with the westonleys we shall find the westonleys disdaining to fight and the tomlins accordingly doing what pleases them in their own brutal way now here i find myself met with statement and counterstatement the indictment is all too clear against you boy tomlin for even the glass of old brown sherry which he has just consumed fails to soothe your unfortunate victim's nerve centres he is still far from calm his ganglions are yet vibrating this work of destruction was yours you do not deny it but you refuse any explanation making instead a vague and ambiguous reference to not sneaking no man hates the tale-bearer more than your headmaster sir but there are occasions when the school's welfare and the protection of our little commonwealth make it absolutely necessary that offences should be reported to the ruler of that commonwealth i have no hesitation in saying that westonleigh saw the present incident in this light he had no right to hush up the matter whatever his private instincts towards mercy his duty to his companions and to me together with a hereditary sense of justice and the fearless instincts of his race compelled him to come before me and report the presence of a young garreter in our midst i select the word george tomlin and i say that having regard to the perverted not to say inverted sense of justice and honour all too common among every community of boys westonleigh's act was a brave act i accept his statement in its entirety consequently tomlin you may join me this evening at nine o'clock after prayers that meant a flogging and tomlin said yes sir and hooked it but the wretched carlo thought he was going to hear tomlin expelled he burst out and said as much and the doctor started as if a serpent had stung him and told carlo to control the instinct of revenge so common to all human nature and explained that chaps were not expelled for trifles he reminded carlo that tomlin had an immortal soul like himself and seemed to imply that being expelled from merivale would ruin a chap's future in the next world as well as this one finally he allowed carlo in consideration of the dressing he had got to stop in the playground that afternoon with a book so the little skunk crept off shattered ganglions and all pretending to walk lame while the doctor evidently much bothered altogether took up our work where he had left it tomlin got flogged all right and there the matter ended excepting that a lot of fellows sent carlo to coventry and called him ant friar from that day then within three weeks came the doctor's howler steggles being responsible steggles is a bit of a hound but his cunning is wonderful as for the doctor he continued making much of carlo and sitting on tomlin till one day going into chapel he unexpectedly patted tomlin on the head tomlin was rather pleased because he thought the doctor was relenting to him but when steggles heard of it he said why you fool he thought he was patting westonleigh then on an evening when tomlin was cooking a sausage for me in the sixth classroom he said please i should like to speak to you if i may so i chucked work and told him to say what he liked 
it's only to show how things go against a chap no matter what he does said the kid this term i have been flogged for licking carlo and caned three times since for other things which were more bad luck than anything else and now i'll be flogged again to-morrow for absolute certain why well it's a jolly muddle you know steggles yes you're a fool to go about with him i said perhaps i was anyway steggles and me made a plot to get some of the medlars from the tree on the lawn and we minced out after dark to do it they're simply allowed to fall and rot on the ground which is a waste of good tuck steggles says we went out about ten o'clock last night past brown's study window and we looked in from the shrubbery to see the window open and soda water and whiskey and pipes on the table but no brown strange to say then we sneaked on and steggles suddenly heard something and got funky but i kept him going we reached the tree and steggles lighted his bull's-eye lantern so as to collect the medlars when suddenly out from behind the tree itself rushed a man we hooked it like lightning naturally and i never saw steggles go at such a pace in my life and he stuck to his lantern too but i tripped and fell and before i could get up the man had collared me if you'll believe it the man was brown he asked me who the other chap was and i said i couldn't be quite sure so he told me to go back to bed which i did that was last night and the one medlar we had time to get steggles had eaten before i got back which shows you what steggles is to-day brown will tell the doctor he always chooses the evening after prayers so that he can work the doctor up with his stories and get a chap flogged right away because it often happens when dr dunston says he'll flog a chap next day he doesn't do it and what is steggles going to do he says he is watching events he also says that brown was certainly stealing the doctor's medlars himself and really we surprised him not he us but of course steggles says it's no good my telling the doctor that steggles also says that he's got an idea which may come to something i don't know but he's a very cute chap i've got to keep out of the way after prayers to-night and steggles is going to watch brown he won't tell me his plan i thought once that perhaps he meant giving himself up for me and i asked him and he said i ought to know him better tomlin then cleared out and as the doctor took slade and me for a short greek lesson every evening after prayers because of special examinations i had the good luck to see the end of the business that very night we just got to work by the doctor's green-shaded reading lamp when brown came in with his grovelling way pretending he was awfully sorry for having to round on tomlin but that his duty gave him no option and so on last night he said i was sitting correcting exercises in my study when i fancied i saw a form steal across the grass outside thinking some vagabond might be in the grounds i dashed out and followed as quickly as possible presently i saw a light and noted two figures under the medlar tree fearing they might be plotting against the house i went straight at them and to my astonishment saw that they were only boys one darted away and i failed to catch him the other i much regret to say was tomlin that is how brown put the affair tomlin again exclaimed the doctor positively that boy's behaviour passes the bounds of endurance yes taking the medlars of one who has always treated him as you have i couldn't trust myself to speak to him he's a very disappointing boy he's a disgraceful degenerate disreputable boy i can forgive much but the stealing of fruit and that my fruit 
greediness immorality ingratitude in the person of an outrageous lad i thank you brown yours was a zealous act and argued courage of high order oblige me by sending tomlin hither at once there shall be no delay brown hurried off to find the wretched tomlin and dr dunstan who always had to work up his feelings before flogging a chap snorted like a horse and took off his glasses and went to the corner behind the bookcase where canes and things were kept he seemed to forget slade and me so we sat tied in the gloom outside the radius of light thrown by the green-shaded lamp and waited with regret to see tomlin catch it the doctor talked to himself as he brought out a birch and swished it through the air once or twice pon my soul he said lord golightly's son was right his knowledge of character is remarkable in so young a lad tomlin will have to be expelled tomlin must go such consistent such inherent depravity appears ineradicable pruning is of no avail the branch must be sacrificed my medlars under cover of darkness and i would have given them freely had he but asked he evidently wasn't going to expel tomlin this time but he meant doing all he knew with the birch and as tomlin was some while coming the doctor's safety valves were regularly humming before he turned up when he did come he walked boldly in and the doctor who had been striding up and down like a lion at the zoo didn't wait for any remarks but just went straight for him seized him by the nape of the neck nipped his hand round his back in a way he did very neatly from long practice and began to administer about the hottest flogging he'd given to any boy in his life so you add the eighth commandment to the others you have already shattered deplorable boy roared the doctor giving tomlin one between each smack you would purloin steal rob the medlars of your preceptor you would lead others to share your sin you would bring tears of grief to a good mother's eyes here the doctor stopped a moment for breath but he still held on to tomlin who much to my surprise wriggled about a good deal in fact he shot out his legs over and over again at intervals like a grasshopper does when it gets into the water and when he got a chance he yelled back at the doctor it's a lie a filthy lie he shrieked out beast devil let me go let me go i never touched your rotten old medlars oh oh then the doctor went off again silence miserable child cease your blasphemies falsehood will not save you now i never touch them i tell you you muddle-headed old beast you're killing me and my father'll imprison you for life for it i wish they would hang you i'll make you smart for this if you only live till i grow up devil but the doctor had shot his bolt he gave tomlin a final smack then shook him off like a spider picked up his mortar-board which had fallen off in the struggle and put the birch in its place now go and don't speak another word or i shall expel you wretched lad meantime slade and i were fairly on the gasp for from the time that tomlin as we thought had called the doctor a devil we realized the truth now his passion nearly choked him he danced with pain and rage only when the doctor took a stride towards him he opened the door and hooked it the doctor puffed up and grunted like a traction ended trying to get up a hill 
these are the black days in a headmaster's life slade he said that misguided lad thinks that i enjoyed administering his punishment yet both mentally and physically the operation caused me far greater suffering than it brought to him i am wounded wounded to the heart and the exertion causes and will cause me much discomfort for hours to come owing to its unusual severity i may say that not for ten years has it been necessary for me to flog a boy as i have just flogged george tomlin now let us proceed i couldn't have broken it to him but slade did he said please sir it wasn't tomlin not tomlin not tomlin what do you mean boy who was it then said the doctor his eyebrows going up to his forehead which was all quite dewy from the hard work it was young carlo i mean westonleigh said slade viscount westonleigh gasped the doctor his mouth dropping right open in a very rum way by itself if you understand me yes sir then why in the name of heaven didn't you say so how dare you stand there and watch me commit an offence against law and justice how did you dare to watch me ignorantly torture an innocent boy and that boy go both of you you slade and you butler also go instantly and send brown and viscount westonleigh to me good god this is terrible terrible so that was his howler and to see him in his chair looking so old and haggard and queer was rather frightful he seemed suddenly struck with limpness and his hands shook like anything and so did his bald head and he puffed as if he'd been running miles and slade said afterwards that he looked jolly frightened too he put his face in his hands as we went out and we heard him say something about lord golightly and ruin and universal opprobrium on his grey hairs though really he had none worth mentioning and slade said he almost thought the doctor was actually going to cry if such a thing could be possible we sent brown off to him but carlo wasn't to be found he'd been yelling somewhere but couldn't be traced what had happened was this tomlin in obedience to steggles had kept rather close after prayers in fact he had spent the half-hour to bedtime in a cupboard in the gymnasium under the rubber shoes so brown not finding him had told the first boy he saw to do so and that boy happened to be steggles who had been at his heels ever since he went to the doctor steggles is a miserable unwholesome thing but his strategy certainly comes off once having the message all was easy because steggles merely found carlo and told him the doctor wanted him the result was much better than even steggles hoped because though the doctor generally fell on a chap who came to be flogged straight away like he did on carlo it wasn't often anybody got such a frightful strong dose as carlo had afterwards when taxed steggles swore of course that he thought he was talking to tomlin seeing the likeness this might have been perfectly true though in their secret hearts everybody knew steggles too jolly well to really believe it carlo didn't turn up and after an hour or more of frantic rushing about somebody said perhaps he'd jumped down the garden well owing to the indignity of what he'd got but soon afterwards in reply to a special telegram sent for the doctor by the people at the railway station an answer came from golightly towers twenty miles off where the purple-veined lord father of carlo hung out the kid it seemed had sloped down to merivale railway station after his licking and taken a ticket right away for golightly and gone home by the last train but one that night 
he never returned either but next day his father dropped in on dr dunstan and fowle managed to hear a little of what went on through the keyhole he said that as far as he could make out the lord didn't think much of the matter and said one thrashing more or less wouldn't mar carlo but the lord's wife who didn't come evidently took the same view as carlo for he never returned to dunstan's again the doctor's howler ended in his losing the little bounder altogether which with his views about lords in general and especially earls might have been frightfully rough on him as to tomlin actually the doctor never flogged him after all i think his spirit had got a bit broken and though tomlin went at the end of the term he wasn't expelled but withdrawn by mutual consent like you hear of things in parliament sometimes he wouldn't have gone at all but he refused to say who was under the medlar tree with him and stuck to it and steggles absolutely declined to give himself up because as he truly said he had more than kept his promise to tomlin about helping him out of the mess so tomlin went he was a very decent little chap indeed and nearly all the fellows at dunstan's promised faithfully to buy their hats entirely at his place in bond street london when they left school which will be very good business for him if they do as for the doctor it's a peculiar fact that for a whole term after carlo's affair he never flogged a single chap he didn't seem to have any heart in him somehow owing to the rum way the howler told upon his spirit end of story nine